If, if you have your Bible with you in whatever form, if you'd like to turn to 2 Kings chapter 18. 2 Kings chapter 18. Between now and the summer, we're going to be looking at King Hezekiah. Now, in sort of Christian circles, the thing that Hezekiah is most famous for is being a non-existent book. (laughs) But uh, he is actually a king. And I'm going to read the first eight verses of 2 Kings chapter 18. In the third year of Hosea, son of Elah, king of Israel, Hezekiah, son of Ahaz, king of Judah, began to reign. He was 25 years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 29 years. His mother's name was Abijah, daughter of Zechariah. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. He removed the high places, smashed the sacred stones, cut down the Asherah poles, and he broke into pieces the bronze snake Moses had made, which was fascinating. (coughs) For up to that time, the Israelites had been burning incense to it. They gave it a funny name. Hezekiah (laughs) Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza and its territory." Father, we just ask you, as we look at this very briefly, that you will speak to us and encourage us and draw our eyes once again to Jesus. Amen. Hezekiah's name means God has strengthened. And his story is told in 2 Kings 60, chapter chapter 18, chapter 16, verses 20 to chapter 20. In 2 Chronicles, chapter 28 to 32. In Isaiah 36. And the reason, part of the reason we're looking at him is he um, marks a a change for a brief period of time in the life of Israel. Now, after... After Solomon, King Solomon, so it went David, Solomon, and then after Solomon, the kingdom of Israel was divided. Ten tribes became known as Israel, and they birthed basically the ten northern tribes, and two tribes, Judah and Benjamin, around Jerusalem, formed the other part of the people of Israel. So they were separated, and each of them had their own kings, and they went their separate way. They were intertwined, and uh, you'll find prophets going from the north to the south and south to the north, and you'll find God speaking to the whole nation. But basically, a lot of the time, they were living very separately. And uh, Hezekiah comes to the throne after his father had died, 
And his father had been a very bad king. <laughs> he, he didn't walk with God at all. And uh, he's renowned for being a bad king. He also comes to the throne at a time when the northern part, so Hezekiah ruled the southern part of Judah and Benjamin, the northern um, part of Israel was about to be destroyed. And they were about to be destroyed by the Assyrian Empire. And in 722 BC, Israel, the northern king, was taken captive and the nation was spread through the Assyrian Empire. Hezekiah came to the throne and he reigned for six years before the land of Israel was taken by the Assyrians. So he was living under the threat of the Assyrian Empire taking over his kingdom. Actually, Judah was going to be taken over by the Babylonians, but it will be another 140 years later. Now, just to give you another bit of context for Hezekiah, because you tend to read, sort of, we read the Bible, and it says, Hezekiah um, <coughs> was a good king, just like his father David. So it's like, last year, David was a good king, Hezekiah jumps to a good king. Hezekiah was the 13th king since David. Now, I couldn't do this for all the nations, so I've just done it for Great Britain. That would mean when Hezekiah became king in our history, David would have been king at the time of William and Mary in 1689. So it's not like suddenly Hezekiah and David are related. I don't know if there's anyone in the room. Was there a, Dave, were you around 1689? <laughs> He remembers the good old days of William and Mary. We not only had a king, but we had a queen as well. <laughs> so it just gives you that sense of this is a long time since David. And uh, the world will have changed quite a bit. He reigned for 29 years. He uh, began his reign at the age of 25. And as I say, he was going to face enormous pressure from the Assyrian Empire. His father had also nailed up the doors of the temple in Jerusalem. This is a bit like Adrian turning up and nailing up the doors at the front. Would be all right, because I've seen his handiwork, so it wouldn't be too hard to open. <laughs> so his father had sort of shut down the worship of the people of Judah. And Hezekiah, as a young 25-year-old, was coming to the throne. And today, it's going to be sort of an introduction and an overview, and just looking at some of the uh, verses that we've, we've read. So what can we learn from Hezekiah, and what lessons will we be learning as we look at his story over the next uh, eight or nine weeks. Well, the first thing that you learned from Hezekiah was he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. 
He did right in the eyes of the Lord. He turned his back on his family history. His father had shut the temple and basically said, we don't want anything to do with our God. We want to follow the gods of other peoples. We want to go a different way. We want to be relevant to the world around us. And our God isn't too relevant. The other gods, they're much more relevant. They, they, they are attracting the attention of the world around. But Hezekiah... And we don't really know why. But he said, no, my dad did this. My family history is this. But I know there is a God in heaven and I want to follow him. And I'm going to be obedient to him. So one of the first things he does is to go to the temple and he opens the doors again. In the first month, in 1 Chronicles chapter 28, he reopened the temple doors and repaired them. This was Hezekiah. I'm going to trust God. It has a ring this morning, doesn't it? <laughs> I'm going to turn and I'm going to trust God. The world is saying all sorts of things. The world is saying that the church is so irrelevant. The church has so messed up on so many subjects. The question for us is, are we going to follow Hezekiah and actually do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, not just the world in which we live? In verse 5, it says this, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. One of the things we're going to see as we read, as we go through the story of Hezekiah, is it wasn't that he just, oh, I'm going to trust in God, and everything flowed very easily for him. He had enormous challenges. He had enormous political pressure put on him. He had enormous, sometimes, armies coming at his city. But each time we will read that he turned his eyes to God. We'll, we will read about the time the Assyrian army come up um, to the gates of Jerusalem, and they're saying, sort of, they're speaking in uh, Hebrew um, so that the people can hear them, and they're shouting over the wall, look, don't trust in your king. Don't trust in your king. We are the Assyrians. We have to overrun this nation. We've overrun that nation. We've overrun your fellow Israelites in the north. We are coming for you. And Hezekiah stands there and says, no, they are coming with man's plans. They are coming in man's strength. They are bigger than us. They are stronger than us. Their voice is louder than us. But we are coming in the name of God. And we are going to stand here and we will see God defeat this army. And he chose to trust God and to stir trust and confidence in the people around him. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and he fully trusted him. Secondly, and this is an interesting one because Mark knew nothing of what I was going to say. <laughs> he understood that past blessings can become a snare. 
past blessings can become a snare. I don't have to do it because Mark's done it. The story of the snake in the wilderness. Now this was like four or five hundred years ago. The Israelites had kept this snake and they'd made it into a monument and they worshipped it and they burned incense to it rather than trusting God. And Hezekiah realized this this was a phenomenal blessing at the time. When people were being bitten by snakes, they were able to look at this snake that Moses had cast, and they were healed. And those that didn't look, didn't look, they died. This was a phenomenal blessing back in the day. But that blessing had become a snare. And so he smashed it. Because he knew that when you walk with God, things change. Things change. And what was from the past is not always the thing for today. And you know, I don't think for the whole church, sort of worldwide or even in the UK, but I think for COVID, it has drawn for open door a line in the sand where we look not to our past, but we look to our future. I've obviously only been here three years, um, <coughs> and one of the, the big challenges for me, having led a church in the past, is to think, well, I'll just repeat it. I'll do what I did then, because it worked then. And it worked well then, so I can bring it into open door and we'll do it again. And I have to stop and say, no, that's the past. That's my past. But I think COVID has drawn a line in the sand for us and said, that is your past. And we, we recognize the blessing that it was. Hezekiah didn't say, hey, the snake, Moses ne never should have made it, because he knew it was a blessing then but he knew it was no longer a blessing today. And as Hezekiah sought to do what was right in the eyes of the Lord, as he trusted in him, he recognized that past blessing can become a snare, and it can tie us up. We think, well, we only have to do what we've done in the past. I was... Uh, I was around in the mid-90s when God moved powerfully in the church in Britain. And uh, it brought together many denominations. And, the, and you genuinely had to queue up to get to church meetings. And actually, if you didn't get there early enough, there wasn't room for you to get in. And you think, if only we could do that again today. But that's not what God does. His blessings are new every day. The way that he does things are new every day. And it's incumbent upon us as open door, as we pray, as we work together, as we serve together, as we build together, to look for what God is doing today. I'm just going to pray that God will break the past from us 
so that we can walk through another door. There's a, I don't know, most, I don't know how many of you have read the Narnia books, um, but there's a, C.S. Lewis wrote a series of children's books which have such phenomenal deep meaning for us as a Christian. But in the, in the book, In the Last Battle, the, um, the sort of kids have been trans, trans, sort of have reached heaven, basically, and they keep running forward. And it's as if the world doesn't change around them as they run forward, but they go into a new one and a new one and a new one. And each time it's deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And it's time for us to move forward deeper and deeper and deeper into the purposes of God that he has for us as open door. To take many of those prophecies from the past that Adrian will be looking at on Wednesday and say they are still relevant. This one is still relevant. This one is still relevant. This one, that was for that day. For us to move forward and Hezekiah recognized that past blessings can become a snare today. So Father, I ask you, I ask you for me, I ask you for each of us in open door, that you will help us to recognize the new open doors before us, that we will break free from the past, we will celebrate its success, but we will move forward into the glorious future that you have for us. Come and do it, Lord, I pray. So, he knew, he did what was right in the Lord, he trusted in the Lord, he understood past blessings can become a snare, and he carried on to the end. It says uh, this, there was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not stop following him. He kept the commands of the Lord that the Lord had given to Moses. Do you know, when you read through the Old Testament, there's an awful lot of people that didn't make it. Even Moses' blessing made a crucial mistake and was never able to enter the land. And you can go down through church history, and there are many, many who started well but didn't end well. I would love us to be a people whose heart was, I am going to end well. And Hezekiah had that in his heart. He never stopped trusting. He never stopped trying to do what was right in the, in the, in the eyes of the Lord. He never got used to the fact, oh, I know what God wants, I'll just do this now. No, he came time and time again to God to get fresh revelation, to get fresh understanding. And so he kept going right to the very end. One of the things that we will learn from Hezekiah was to enable him to get to the end, he prepared for the future. And uh, it says in verse 7, And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. He rebelled against the king of Assyria and did not serve him. From watchtower to fortified city, he defeated the Philistines as far as Gaza. And one of the things that we will see as we read through the story is Hezekiah prepared for the future. 
So he built, he strengthened and built the walls around Jerusalem. And uh, he made Jerusalem a place of safety. In June, we'll be looking at one of some of the things that we want Open Door to be. And one of the things that Open Door needs to be is a place of safety. A place where people can come and know they're not going to be judged. They're not going to be condemned. They're not going to be um, concerned about coming a little fragile or a little ill and people sort of, what's up with you then? But a place where we encourage, build up and embrace one another. And Hezekiah made Jerusalem a place of safety by building up the walls. And we'll look at what those walls are a little bit later. He made it a place of safety and he made it a place of protection from the enemy. They could not break those walls down. And later on we'll look a little bit more at uh, what those walls are. He also did something which you can read in 2 Kings 20, verse 20. He built the walls, but one of the things about Jerusalem is it's it's got loads of springs in it, and the springs flow through Jerusalem and out out to the sort of surrounding land. And when the king of Assyria came to take Jerusalem, Hezekiah thought, I'm going to block all the springs And he says, we'll read it in a few weeks' time, why should we give water to the Assyrians? Let them struggle. We'll block it. But then he realized once he'd blocked the springs, they were also short of water. So he built a 1,700-foot tunnel under the ground, under the walls, to get to a well that was outside the walls. That tunnel is still in Jerusalem and is now a tourist attraction. And what that did was it meant that Jerusalem always had water even in a time of siege. How much do we dig down while things are going well so that when things get tough we are protected And we have the water of the Spirit to guard us and to keep us. We dig down through prayer, reading the Bible, through fellowship, through breaking of bread. Those four great things of Acts chapter 2 verse 42. The early church gave themselves to the apostles' doctrine, to prayer, fellowship and breaking of bread. And it's those four things that keep us fresh, keep us alive, strengthen us, so that when difficult times come, when when we are besieged, we have everything that we need to come through. He dug a tunnel, though I suspect it wasn't him personally being king, but he made it happen. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. He trusted God. He understood past blessings can become a snare. He carried on to the end by preparing for the future. And verse 7 I read earlier said this, And the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. 
just out of matter of interest, who would like to be successful in whatever they undertook? <laughs> he didn't have it easy. He had political pressure. He had to... He had to lead his people strongly. He had to draw them into faith. When they were sort of all for giving up, he had to lead them and say, no, God, our God will deliver us. So it wasn't that just everything was easy for him, but God so blessed him that he, it's able to be written of him that he was successful in everything that he undertook. And he brought a golden era to the people of Judah, where the people of Israel were taken by the Assyrians, the Assyrians could not take the people of Judah, because Hezekiah, as a man of God, as a person of God, chose to do what was right in his eyes, to trust him, to trust for today's blessings and not the past, to prepare for the future. And so God was with him, and he accomplished everything and was successful in everything he did. This is why we're looking at Hezekiah, because as God has drawn this line in the sand for us and we look to the future, we want to be a people of God who are obedient to him, trusting in him, and taking the glorious news of Jesus Christ to the world in which we live so that in Kettering and Barton and Burton and Desborough and Rothborough and Wellingborough and across Northamptonshire, we can see Jesus' name being exalted. We can see people set free. We can see miraculous healings and being. But to do that, we need to be together, trusting God, obeying God, going on to the end, and preparing for trials in the future. That way, we will know the success of God in our lives. Amen. I'll just pray. Father, we do thank you for your amazing love for humanity. We thank you for the way that you've spoken to us individually. We thank you for the life that you've brought to us. We ask you, Father, that you will help us to individually emulate Hezekiah, that we might make it to the end, that we might be successful in what we put our hands to do. We might bring great glory to you by being fruitful for you, and we might see your kingdom extend in our lands. Amen. Amen.